Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it just put your trust in him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Jatan Woods. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the four-part Netflix event, When They See Us. I will admit that I came close to not watching it because, quite frankly, I have been suffering from tragedy fatigue, and I just didn't want to watch one more thing that would make me angry, sad, or even both. Fortunately, my co-host who is joining me today, Karen Wilson, convinced me to watch, and I'm glad that I did. We have the pleasure of welcoming returning guest, Michael Hurt, to weigh in on the topic as well. Hello, hello Michael. Hello, hello. <laughs> so thanks to both of you for joining me today. Another reason why I was hesitant to watch When They See Us is because I had checked out some reviews from other people, and all of the men that had watched it said that they cried, like each and every one of them, and they talked about how difficult it was for them to get through it. So I was like, eh, not sure I can handle it either but here goes. So let's get right into it, guys. First up, both of you give me like a brief initial impression and then we'll go deeper. Mike, you wanna get us started? Okay, um, first of all, thanks for having me back again. This movie, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you, you were saying that someone talked you into, uh, Jay, someone talked you into watching it. You actually talked me into finishing it. I started the movie and 20 minutes into it, mm -hmm. cut it off and just had to move around. That's, that's really what happened. Mm -hmm. Didn't start that movie up where it left off for a week later. Because I, I didn't even realize I had to detox. And I was like, do you really want to watch this? Do you really want to visit this up on you again? So my impression, you know, and I was thinking about this, it actually, I was like, why are they doing four parts? It's like, you know, four one hour, 10 minute parts. It was genius for them to do that because you, you need a break. I personally, it worked for me. So yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I, I tell everybody you must watch it for the culture. You 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 have to, because this even though this happened, this particular case happened thirty years ago, we haven't moved that far from it, and it is happening today. People need to know their rights, um, and I I talked about this on on the other show that I do, and I said I always I used to. Um, watch like homicide life on the street law and order all that so i pride myself on being a armchair trial lawyer and detective okay <laughs> so i was like there was no evidence there was no nothing and it was clearly from that lady's mind and and i i blame the jurors for for doing that to those babies and i blame the jogger too i don't want to go that far but i was like she had, didn't remember anything but she still fingered them based on what that um prosecutor had said she had no knowledge of what had happened they didn't there was no physical evidence they didn't even have have the right um part of the park where they were they just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time 
And and so, and I remember this case. I was a senior in high school when it happened, and I remember all the hoopla, the media circus, and it was interesting to see how they brought all that together. So, See, I was the opposite. I felt like I was in small town USA, the bubble, because it happened uh, probably about a year before I moved to Peoria. And living in Galesburg, where Karen and I both grew up, I felt like I didn't really get that much information from the media. I mean, that's a, a pure example of gatekeeperism. And when you live in predominantly Caucasian communities, especially like what we went, what we uh, grew up in, I felt like we didn't really get the whole story because I was going to ask you guys. There was so much in watching the uh, the four part series that I learned that I didn't know. Like for example, I didn't know that all those boys didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were all hanging right, out right, together and right. to know that only two of them Corey and Yusef knew each other I right. was like wow that is correct. these were like complete strangers and they strangers. made them seem like they were in some kind of a little gang mm-hmm. so Fabrication there was of course there was course. so much about the story that I didn't know at all so what were some things in watching this that you learned that you didn't already know for me actually I didn't realize how um, that one of the things that just comes to mind immediately is the relationship between the parents and the young, you know, the fathers and the mothers of, of those mm-hmm. um, of those kids, and then just I didn't realize that I can't call the kid's name, but his father basically um, pretty much told him to just just go ahead and fess up, you know. So I didn't realize, okay, it's pressure enough for you know you're, you're a kid and you have a 50 year old man in your face you know demanding that you but then for your father to come in there and throw a chair and mm-hmm. you do what they tell you to do i yeah. didn't know that yeah i, I had didn't to pause I, it and, and, yeah, and let I, that sink in i was floored on that too but then oh, i was floored on that as well because but then they had threatened him because he had uh he had already yeah, done time yeah, and he pass. had a past yeah. so he's yeah. like you know they're gonna twist me up if you don't say what they want you that to say correct. that is correct so yeah there were so many things that impacted this case and it was race number one because obviously they were just looking for a bully man and and who of course to to pick but someone of color but it also to me showcased how poverty makes a difference Mm -hmm. because these young men except for one of the young men they weren't able to like bail out bond out so they had to just stay there and so poverty played an awfully big role in this too Mm -hmm. and even like education all those things played a part because I think if they had maybe perhaps been and and I'm talking about parents as well as the kids if they had been in better education systems and things of that nature they may have been more aware of what their rights were because I feel like they really except for that one Yusef's mother who was fighting tooth and nail like shut up don't say anything the other ones actually didn't know what their rights were they were not they 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 were not aware of that and the other thing is you know to this day and I guess I didn't know this either. How how do you how do you bring in minors, interrogate them? One of the kids was noted of not having eaten for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. That's torture. And then have them sign off a confession. Can a minor do that? That was illegal. It was illegal. I mean, Completely how did that illegal. go down? 
I mean, it's it's okay. So you, you have you have checks and balances inside of a let's say police department. Mm-hmm. How is that going down? I don't know. I I it, well, the one mother did say that she's like he's and he had skipped a grade and they has, there was some yes, was something yeah he was gifted so there was something going on with his birth certificate but she's like no he is still fifteen he's not sixteen which I guess was of legal consent and so that mother so like you know she like we're done we are leaving yeah but the others like um yeah. uh, his father's like I have to go to work the grandmother was left there but she didn't speak English. And then, um, you know, they just manufactured a story and beat it out of them. And and then when the jogger came in and says, yeah, I'm going to concur with what they said, that just started the whole, the whole ball rolling. But I was just, I was amazed. And it shows you how deep um, the system of injustice and racism is because the whole system failed them. Yes. The initial officers that pinpointed these boys that was number one they were stereotyped Mm -hmm. from there Mm -hmm. then when they get to the jail the detectives and the people that actually did the torturing and pressuring of them that's another failure of the system Mm -hmm. then you have and what role actually was linda fairstein was she like the lead detective i couldn't understand what well, no, Elizabeth Letterer, the oh. little curly-haired woman, she was the prosecutor. Okay. Um, Linda I, was like something with the police department, she was some probably, head. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm just guessing. I want to say like, like the, the lieutenant. lieutenant. Yeah, that's usually who the detectives report to. Right. So you had her was who was right. crooked as a barrel of snakes, yeah. and then you had the prosecutor right. who knew she, oh, knew she knew the case was horrible. She knew right. and. I kept wanting, even though I already knew the outcome of everything, Mm -hmm. I kept wanting her to say, stop it now. Stop it now. You know you do not have a case. Mm -hmm. And she let it go. And then you have the jury who, and that was another thing that surprised me because I had thought that the jury was all white and it wasn't. Like how many people of color were on there? I know I remember seeing one black woman and I thought I saw someone uh, Latino as well and maybe a black man. So someone even in the jury should have stood up to say you know this is wrong there's no evidence right, here right in the um once this uh was uh, announced that it was going to be on netflix abc has been going back and getting old cases like they did the little Raina baba thing <laughs> they did you know and so they did a, um i think it was nightline that i was watching and they were talking about this case mm-hmm. and there was one lady on there that said i should have hung the jury she said i have to live with that for the rest of my life and this was a white lady because she said i knew they didn't have a case and she said i was questioning and, and um i know for myself i I was always um, hyped up that I had never been um, picked for jury. I never want to do it again. But the first case that I had was a murder case here in Peoria. Mm. And I did not realize that when it's grand jury, they don't, the, the case has already been done. So they don't have to do as much um, timelining and they don't have as much to prove. And so there were two of us on the, on the um, jury that I sat on and I felt like they were railroading. And I'm like, I, it just didn't, didn't set right so I said I had to get it right in my mind before I rendered my, and so we I, we stayed there an extra day because I was like I'm not getting to do that and so then once we timelined it ourselves and it was good police work that they got this guy and turns out he was the trigger man um that I was going to convict because there was one other little girl she was a school teacher and myself and neither one of us were like we don't think it's good this is a you know 
there was just some things that just didn't make sense. And so then after we made it, we, we went up there from, from point A to point B, wrote it out, and then I could see how all the dots were connected. And, and then I was able to render, so then we had unanimous, and then he's gonna stay in jail. Um, but I was like, I just felt like, I was like, they're railroading this, like this isn't right. So for that juror to sit up there and, and she knows she did wrong, and now she's like, I should have hung the jury because I wasn't in my spirit right. Mm-hmm. But and, and we'll talk about this later on, but we have to be woke to the fact that this stuff is still going on. We're yes, acting like, is. oh, it, it was is. 1989. It's still, going, it's still on. going on. My husband, and forgive me if you guys have heard this story before, he did. Uh, he was on a jury about maybe five or six years ago, and I think it was an attempted murder case. And it was a case where there was like a car full of maybe four African-Americans and one of them in the car shot at someone. And they didn't really have any evidence to know which one of the four did the shooting. I mean, it was like a flimsy as heck case. And Raymond said that there was this one Caucasian gentleman when they were doing the deliberation who was an absolute bully. From the time they went back there, he basically told everybody, this guy did it. And it took my husband, thank God for him for that one case, Mm -hmm. to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to say that he's guilty because there's not enough evidence. And he pinpointed this, this, and that. The guy tried to bully him into changing his mind. And there was a couple others that tried to bully him. And he was like, no, this is supposed to be beyond a reasonable doubt this case does not stand up. And you know what that guy stood there and said? Well, he's guilty of something. Right. And, and that's, that's what he deal. said. That's, and you saw that in this case yeah, too. Yeah. He, and Raymond and Raymond had to stand up and say, you know, that's not a fair statement for you to make and we're not judging him about his life. We're sure judging how, him yeah. about this case. We know nothing yeah. about what he's mm-hmm. done outside this case. And if he had cowered which I think, unfortunately, a lot of people in that situation would when you're the minority speaking up, minority racially and otherwise speaking up. And it just makes me think, and it just, it troubled my husband and I both because we're like, how many people would not have spoken up and would have allowed themselves to be bullied? To do that. Too many. And you saw that in this case, but that's just an example of how this happens today. Like this young man in that case was going to be judged on what their opinion of him was and how they saw him. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and, and so here's the thing, and I'm just being very, very transparent here. I'm still processing this movie. Yeah. It's still digesting. It's it's still, you know, going through the process, you know. And and when I, in retrospect, when I look back at this, at this movie, yes, it was basically race-driven, but to me, even before race, it was politically driven. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know if it was an election year or not, but if you notice the, the the lieutenant, she packaged it and handed it to the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's like, look, look, here it is. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and take it and run with it. And if you remember, the, the, uh, the prosecutor was sitting at a table and the, the young man was about to, I think he was, he wasn't, no, he wasn't a Puerto Rican. But uh, he was about to fess up. She said, wait, before you before you say anything. And you just could tell she was like, this is this is crazy. He's about to give his life up 
you know, put his life on a platter. Mm-hmm. And so, as me being who I am, of course, a, a black male, but I, I thought back to when I was 14 and how impressionable I still was. Mm-hmm. You don't, when you're 14, you kind of kind of feel like you kind of, I know what I'm doing. I was a kid and I was still developing. I think they say the human brain develops well into your early 20s. But I mean, just your sense of reasoning. And the other thing that I, you know, especially being raised in the church, the other thing that came to mind, and I think what in a lot of cases uh, kills us as black people, we are taught to respect your elders. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's, it's, it's in your mind whether you're saying it or not. So if a teacher or a, a person that's considered to be an, you know, an authority figure says you did something if in my day if you said you didn't then what they say so i'm lying so you're calling me a liar liar. and you're getting slapped that what that's 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 old school Mm -hmm. but that right there is a double-edged sword absolutely absolutely i i'm i am uh born and raised in the church (laughs) as well and if a church mother said something you just did it no questions asked Yes. And um, and so, yeah, to our detriment. I mean, well, in the street has a, this is before cell phones. I said, if you acted up in the street before you even got home, oh they were goodness. waiting with the belt. You ain't kidding. <laughs> you not. Oh, my God. You are not kidding. Yeah, absolutely. They knew. They knew. But that's an excellent point because that adds another layer of the dysfunction of yes. what happened to yes. this, too. Yes. Yes. And yes. it was really heartbreaking to me. And this is one of the saddest parts was to see the uh, the familial relationships and how each situation was different. Like you had um, not Anton, but uh, Kevin, okay. who he broke my heart because he was the youngest one. That was the one that was 14 yes, he was the and his sister and his mother mm-hmm. and how loving they were to him. Yes, yes. So he yes. had support. Yes. Yousef had support because he had a strong mother she was fighting to the bitter end and then you saw Corey's mother who i have to say and i'm gonna like talk about specifically the actors and and their acting Mm -hmm. but niecy nash she played that role of dolores wise Corey's mother and to see the difference like how she had such a messed up life herself that she could not be there for her son right, in, in right, so right. many different right, ways right. and how she kind of was part of letting him slip through the cracks. So right. it was really sad to see those relationships and to see Anton and how you already spoke right. about how his right. father pushed him right. into a confession. So what did those family relationships and getting a look at that, how did that make you feel about the film as well? You know, let, let me say this. There's, there's two things I really had to make note of. There, there were two cultures that they brought. There were more than two, but there's two big ones that they brought out in mm-hmm. this uh, movie. Mm-hmm. One is talked about more than the other. Mm-hmm. The first one is the trans culture. The, the, the older brother mm-hmm. was a transsexual. They mm-hmm. did not refer to him as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I first saw him, I'm like, that's not a dude, that's mm-hmm. your sister. And so his mother was, I think it was Niecy Nash. Mm-hmm. I think she was the mother. And talking about, and they didn't even go to that scene until that young man had been killed. You yeah. know, you didn't even get a chance to see him. But the love that they had for each other, 
you know, I just remember when they hugged, at, you know, as if to say bye. That may have been the last time he ever saw him. He said, what about all your stuff? He didn't care about his stuff. He's like, what he was saying is, why are you leaving? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you can have whatever you want. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So they brought that out. Here's the other culture that they brought out mm -hmm. that I don't like to talk about. I don't like to think about it, but it is very real. The prison rape culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is a serious culture. Mm -hmm. And it is something people don't like to talk about. It is beyond when you send a young man to prison like that and you put him in a cell with a grown man who is never getting out mm -hmm. he's he's just dead you know what i mean he's dead to to the world you know what i mean and so yeah they go in like fresh fish yes Here we go. fresh meat you know and the thing of it is it is it's something people don't like to talk about so you know you you talk you know he's on it's like the family on the outside, if they're dysfunctional, they don't even know how to even, I guess you could say, be there for this person. And so Niecy Nash, oh my God, she killed it. And, and to me, the reason why it was so refreshing seeing her play this in this movie and play that particular role is because she is one of the funniest people on earth. I, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna tell you something. I don't <laughs> laugh very, everybody, everything's not funny. She's just funny. Okay, mm -hmm. but to see her be serious really brought me in. That showed her range. Yeah. Showed her range and, for sure. And I'm so happy she took that role. Yeah. And as you say that, the other thing too that it made me think of, and which was a further injustice, didn't you get the impression um, that there was something kind of wrong with Corey? Was it? Didn't he seem like he was developmentally delayed or something? Yeah, yeah a little bit. And so, and then yeah. that's something that's been talked about about the prison system too. Is like you people like that have to be separated or somehow treated differently because they're going in at a double disadvantage. Right. I mean, he obviously had some type of mental deficiency. Yes. 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 And then he was thrown into Rikers Island. So that added to it, too, whatever was going on with him. I don't know if it was a learning disability or whatever it was, that that added to it, too. And that's something that really has to be looked at um, overall when people are, like, trying to revamp right. the prison system. You, and Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the other thing. I, I can remember the scene where um, Niecy Nash is there to visit her son. And the son is, it's almost like he's, the roles are reversing. He's encouraging her. And he's like, okay, so I, I'm going to move, you know, so I could, you know, come close. I, I could do this transfer thing. You know, I can transfer and you'll be closer. Um, and that backfired. Yeah, he went, ended up going further. Yeah, it, it and I think further. that's the, yeah. the awesome thing about this is that beyond showing what happened with the case, to show the reality of what happens to the families that are left behind, the ones that are at home, right, right, and right. also show what is happening to the young to the right. person that's in prison, to show right. both of that, right. and then to show to then show them as adults once they get out and what their life is like right. and how hard it is to stay out. And then you kind of get an understanding of why the recidivism rates are so it's high right. because they come out with all these rules. You can't associate with another, another felon. felon. You have to be home at a certain time it's like well then how am I supposed to work and, yeah. and you have all these roadblocks set up 
when you come out, plus you're dealing with the PTSD that you've suffered from yeah. being in the prison, whether yeah. you've been raped, beaten, just the very psychology of being locked in a cell like a, a lab rat, period. So Pretty you're much. dealing with all these different things. And I'm so glad that Ava DuVernay just expertly gave us a look at everything. So you got the full picture. Wow. And wow. speaking of Ava DuVernay, who was the director of this, she also directed the Netflix documentary 13th. Mm. And I think, have both of you seen 13th? I haven't. I haven't. You have to, and, and you'll see why. It is the perfect companion piece to this because it talks about the whole prison industry complex. Mm. I mean, it gets deep. It goes all the way back, and it shows decade by decade how the prison population has grown and how it's gone into privatization exactly. and all these things. That. And yeah. you see the, the political aspect of it, and it really explores the 13th Amendment Amendment. That's why it's called 13th and how slavery still exists within that amendment because you're free unless you're in the prison system. And then basically they own you. They own you. They own you. You're owned. So and it tells you how and why so many people of color are put in prison. Yeah. And it's a, like I said, it's a perfect companion piece to this film because I can imagine that there's a lot of people, let's be honest, non-black who could look at a film like When They See Us and think, oh, that could never happen. That's far-fetched. Right. No, it's not. It happens, and it's happening today. And when you watch the 13th, you see exactly how it can happen yeah. and why it's happening. So watch that, and you'll yeah. see, and it'll give you an even better understanding of how this can happen. Don't you think so, Karen? Absolutely, absolutely. And I also, um, I felt like they... Well, we had alluded earlier that they stayed in jail because they couldn't bond out. Now, um, they're trying to get, which I was like, well, what would you use to get these people to come to their cases if you don't have them have um, a, a, a monetary bail or, or what have you? But they said most people would come back if they had a ride, if you remind them or, or anything. And so um, a couple of weeks ago at Lincoln Branch, they had um, a seminar trying to – there's a, a fund in Chicago called the Chicago um, Freedom Fund, I think it is, something like that. But anyway, they raised money to bail people out of jail. And so this one young man came, and he said, yeah, he's like, I spent – waiting for my case to be heard, he's like, I spent two years, three years in county jail. And then when they came back and they said, listen, we're going to give you four years in prison, I don't know if he had, like, public intoxication or something. I don't remember what his what his um uh thing was. But anyway, he said after being in county jail, he's like prison was like a resort. He's like, we actually got to be outside, we got food. Wow. You know, I was like this exact opposite of what you would think. And there's a lot of poor souls that languish in there because they can't afford to be bailed out. So And a big thing that they deal with um in thirteenth as they they talk about how horrible the plea system is mm -hmm. and how so many poor people, mostly black and brown people and even poor whites are kind of bullied into pleas because you have this prosecutor that's sitting here and so many cases you would not believe never go before a judge. And they were uh, saying in the 13th that everyone has to realize that every single person has the right to a trial. And so many people skip that right because they're bullied by a prosecutor that right. comes in and says, look, if you plea, 
right. you're going to get one to three years. If you take this to trial and you're found guilty, exactly. you're facing 12. So right. even a person that is sitting there yeah. innocent yeah. and they're already thinking, oh, I'm black. I've got all these things against me already. Right. I may have a previous record. Let me go ahead and sign this and do this time. And right. so how many innocent people actually languish in prison yeah. because they were bullied into these pleas? It happens all the time rather than to hold your ground and say, no, I have a right to a trial. I'm going to take my chances at a trial. I mean, it's a risk. And you have to and you have to look at that person and think, OK, I can kind of understand why you would take the plea, even if you're innocent, because it is a flip yeah. of a coin as to how it can turn out. But the plea system is corrupt in and of itself. Totally. totally. And the thing of it is, you know, when if you really want to look at it, they work for the same boss. They both work for the state. Mm -hmm. So let's see. We're going to fight each other. No, we're going to work this thing out. We're going to have some drinks afterwards. Maybe not exactly like that, but but they ain't mad at each other. Let mm -hmm. me say that. Mm -hmm. Here's a, here's. A, I was just sitting here thinking. I put a post on Facebook yesterday, and I just I just put on there in parentheses uh, when they see us. I just put that on there, and then I don't know. I had this afterthought, and then I said, wait a minute, when they see us. Then I went back and changed it to W I N. They see us. They win when they see us, mm -hmm. and that's what they did. They mm -hmm. won. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I, one of the young men right now that comes to mind is the, um, the Puerto Rican young mm -hmm. man. I can't, I can't really think of what his name is. Raymond. Raymond, that's him. Okay, his, his situation just really blew me away as well. Now, first of all, when, when this was in the beginning of this, when it was going down, his father just straight up stopped coming to court. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I got to go to work. And I, you know, and I get that, but, you know, you, he just totally – you know, left his son. Then when the son gets out, he has to go stay with his father. He has nowhere else to go. So his father has married what appeared to be a much younger woman, house full of kids, people, and, and she's resentful of him coming there mm -hmm. and referring to him as, as a rapist. And then that, that same family uh, had a, like a cookout or something. And I think it was the father's brother, I'm not sure. He said, yeah, it's, you know, wow. I mean, how do we get a rapist in the family? You know, so he can't leave. He It's torture, so he leaves torture to come to a different type of torture, which to me probably in many ways is worse because it's your own blood. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so the father even, he did a great, he, he ticked me off. So that means he acted, he did a great job. He, You know, when, when his wife, when his stepmother and him got into it, um, the father pulled him outside and said, look, man, you can't do it like that. You can't do it like that. You know, he's like, well, she's got to respect me. And the son is, the, the look on his face is like, I'm your son. She's your wife. What are you saying to me, man? So that's, it's, 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 it's not just dysfunction. It's layers of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I have that uh, in my situation. My mother passed away in 2004, and my, my dad has remarried, and I have, I hate to say this, but I have an evil stepmother, and um, she definitely makes a difference. Even though we're grown children, hers get everything and we get nothing. And and my dad allows her to talk to us anyway. I mean, when my brother passed away, she planned the whole funeral, didn't ask us one thing, didn't even ask us a song that we wanted to be sung. And uh, I had kept saying, please find some place for us to um, you know, congregate after the service. That's not what she wanted, so it didn't get done. Okay. So 
you know. So you could definitely, I mean, you com- can completely you relate. You can definitely relate completely to that, relate. you know, and and the production. Well, let me let me just let me even go back before that. You know, movies have, of course, uh, casting directors. Mm. The, the 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 director that cast these people, unbelievable, unbelievable. And what I really like, I really love this actually. At the end of the film. They kind of gave you a little, you know, snippet of what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. And then they showed the real guys. Now, here's what's crazy. It's a blessing for those guys to even still be around. That they all survived. That's exactly what I said. That they survived. And you know what? Good looking dudes. Yeah. You know, just Mm -hmm. good human beings Mm -hmm. that were used as pawns Mm -hmm. for somebody to get to the next level. I still think it was an election year. And Corey suffered, even though he wasn't even there, got sucked into it because he went to see about his friend. Yes. And he got the worst of it that he survived. Because I think he spent the most time in jail of 13 years. The others, I think, got four and six. And and he was the oldest, so they stuck it to him the worst. Yes. But that he survived that is a blessing. Right. And and I think he's the only one who still lives in New Jersey to this day. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Speaking of this cast, let's go down and and give right. them a much needed yes. shout yes. out because yes. the, the cast was just phenomenal, yes. and I think by far the best acting has to go to Jarrell Jerome, mm-hmm. who played the young and the adult Corey Wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, hands down, mm-hmm. this was mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and he was the only one that ca- that uh, played himself young. Right. And as an adult, because that's just how awesome he was. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome that to point out. Yeah. Marquise Rodriguez played the young Raymond Santana. Khalil Harris played the young Anton McRae. Asante Black played the young Kevin Richardson. And Ethan Harise played the young Yusef Salam. Felicity Huffman, more recently known for her college admission scandal, she played Linda Fairstein, and actress Vera Farmiga played uh, Elizabeth Letterer, who was the prosecutor. And again, I have to give an honorable mention to Niecy Nash, who just killed it as Dolores Wise, Corey's mother. I had never seen her in a serious role, and she was amazing. So refreshing. So um, talk about each boy's case and how it affected you was it did you feel more for one over the other i did it i did not feel it it was just i'll be honest with you it was just when you see kind of one young man's case before i could even begin to start really digesting that they slapped you with the other one you know so it's kind of like that so it's like all of this and i'm just like wow it's just a hodgepodge of you know what you know Mm -hmm. so watch where you step but it but I, I didn't really have any um, particular, but but it was just, I don't know. I guess the biggest thing, if I had to just put it kind of in one little um, sentence, I, I just kept saying to myself, this actually happened. Yeah. I kept saying, I was saying that to myself and didn't even realize yeah. it. Yeah. This is not a mate. This happened in America. Yeah, I was I was outraged to, um, totality by um, by everything because um, they were just railroaded and you know like I, I keep saying that no physical evidence, no zero zero. And they moved the case. They moved the uh, the rape scene. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even have they didn't even have the right portion of the park, 
And so I'm just like, why isn't somebody seeing that? Why did because having been in a in a jury pool, I know how they lay out stuff. And I was like, why didn't anybody say anything? I, I'm just. I, and then the fact, yeah, this is not fiction. This really mm-hmm, happened mm-hmm. and is still going on today. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we are are championing the fact that they survived. They were able to get out. I'm sorry, 41 million is not enough. Each one of them should have got 41 That's million. Such, exactly, yeah. conservatively. Uh, yeah, conservatively. yeah, conservatively. Absolutely. And um, but you know, back to the point, I was like, this is still happening today. And, and how many people did they? How many innocent people did she send to jail? And I think I saw last week that that they wanted to um, open some of the cases that those two prosecuted because maybe and and they should. they should. But then they're like, oh, that's too much work. Woo woo. They're not going to do it. Yeah, they ruled against opening up any of her cases. Oh, and and and, and that and see, look, this this is yeah. what I need. Some I'm going to ask a question mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys can answer because I sure don't have the answer to it. How is this lady still walking the earth? She why is she not in jail? And the thing about it too is she has made literally millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Linda Fairstein wrote several best-selling novels. Wow, and she. Every last one of them. She has thrived on the pain that she has caused, not just the Central Park Five, but as Karen just alluded to, God only knows how many other innocents are in prison now, possibly even dead because of this hideous woman and that prosecutor who was just as guilty as far as I'm concerned. Now, she's starting to feel it a bit like she's been kicked off some boards and things like this, but, whoa, cry me a river. And do you know she's still refuses to double down on that case. You know, my thing is this. Okay, let's, let's, I'm going to bring this name up. Paula Dean. Okay. They pulled Paula Dean's everything. Okay. And why is this, why is it that you can still buy her book in any format? Mm-hmm. That's how she's getting her. I don't need to say Bill Cosby. You already know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Why is it that she's still allowed to get money? We know the answer to that. We do. <laughs> we do. We and do. another person that like I, it, but- I hate to mention in all this, but if I had any more reason to detest Donald Trump oh my God. is to know the role, the role he played in the Central Park Five. And speaking of doubling down, he's still doubling down and making ignorant comments yes, and did is. another, you know, there's opinions on both sides. No, there's just a truth, you moron. Yeah. See, see and the, he still yes. to this day refuses yeah. to admit that he was wrong yes. and, the, and to give credit that they have been completely exonerated. See, the thing of it is with Donald Trump, and, and this is just how, this is how I'm gonna describe him. He's, a, he's about as deep as a Dixie cup, okay? So, <laughs> so what I'm saying is that when you when you have so I think he took out a full page, eighty five thousand dollars, and, and that was like nothing to him. Mm-hmm. That's how expensive hate is. Mm-hmm. You'll pay eighty five thousand dollars. Donald Trump just wanted to be relative then, and he's trying to be relative now. Okay, and that said, that is why there is no means to an end. He just does stuff. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't attack. It's just, you know, I remember my, my one of my earliest memories of him being the person who he is is was when when him and I can't think of the actress's name. Um, they they were going back and forth arguing with each other. Oh, what is her name? 
I can't remember her name right now. But but she was call, he was calling her names and then she was calling she used to oh, be on the oh, view. Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, she yeah. used to be on the view. Yes, yes. And yes, yes. and and the thing of it is, you know, I I don't expect Donald Trump to recant or, you know, or digress. He he is who he is. But the thing of it is, like you said, forty one million dollars. When I saw that I was like, Okay, and And then how <laughs> much of that did they get? Like yeah. did the attorneys get most of that? Million. The attorneys got ten million of that, so they really only had thirty to split between four people, five or five people. I'm five sorry, people. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so yeah, so you know, I, I don't know. If, I think those are called punitive damages or whatever. But so this young man spends thirteen years in prison, so he gets six, seven million dollars. He's messed up for the rest of him life. His life, he may never marry. He may question himself about things. Um, and I and I read somewhere that on the set, yes, Mr. Blair Underwood, on the set he had counselors for those young men to talk to. Because I remember this is a very old movie. Um, it had Robert De Niro and um, LL Cool J. LL Cool J was just kind of getting into acting, but he was really good. And to be in a movie, uh, I call him Rob D. Because because I love Robert. D. To be in a movie with Rob D. He's like yeah, but uh, Robert De Niro did an interview one time he said yeah you know that, that that's you know Todd's a good kid he said now remember when we were on the set you know he would call me and like detox and, and just say how it made him feel because it was really kind of going against God and I, I remember I couldn't watch that whole movie it had a certain I don't want to say demonic but a certain vibe to it I said but I remember seeing that and he said yeah you know he would call me and and detox and just say you know man I, I don't Oh, this is what he said. LL Cool J said he didn't even like to call home while he was doing that movie. He mm-hmm. didn't call home and talk to his wife or kids because that was on him, and he didn't want to transfer that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But but just just the insight on that. But yeah, it's they had counselors on set. I can understand that because if you're really being a really good yes. actor, you become that. You have to become that person. Yes, and we see that. we see so many actors that struggle. Um, I don't know if either one of you have watched Game of Thrones and uh, Kit Herring. Oh, it was phenomenal. I'm a okay. I'm a goatee fan. Like Except the last yeah, season, okay. I have to say, was underwhelming. <laughs> but Kit Harrington, who plays one of the major characters, he had to go into like a rehab facility after the uh, the last season ended wow. because he couldn't get the character kind of out of him and it just stuck yeah, in his psyche is... to the point where it can be pretty powerful yeah. when you are going so deep into these characters yes, yes. that they become part of you they like get into your spirit and so they and so what happens is I'm not an actor but I can imagine as an actor you want to be the very best mm-hmm. you it, it's I think with most actors it ain't even about the money is I just need to nail this man is yeah. personal you know I, I compete with myself mm-hmm. at the same time I want to say spiritually you open up certain doors yeah you open up and I doors. think when you're playing something that's based on reality that this is real I think that you have even more pressure to give of yourself because you do not want to put you yes. know, you don't want to put to shame the person that you're the you're deal. portraying. Yeah. Yeah. So you have that pressure to live up 
to the expectation that that yeah. living human being has that you're going to portray them. Yeah. And so you want to be true to them in every way. So that adds to the pressure. Yes, it does. And it's like, and, and, and when, as you were saying that, I was sitting here thinking, it's like covering someone's song. Oh, and yeah. the person I'm going to name is Aretha Franklin. Okay. Now, let, me yes. say, let me say yes. this. Uh, if you cover her song, uh, you better come don't with play. it. Don't play. And, and don't play. A Whitney song, too. A Whitney, like, don't even try it. And I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, like, with Whitney and Aretha, mm -hmm. if you cover that song, you better be all the way in. Here's why. It could take your career, you know, out of this hemisphere, and it can also end it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't play. Yeah, because it can show your weakness. <laughs> yes, weakness. don't play. And, and, and who, who told you to do that anyway? That's what people are saying. What? You're, what? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny that you say that because um, I I said and I am a, a big fan of um, Etta James. My mother liked oh, Etta James. Yes. Me too. And Me too. she always thought she looked like her and all this other stuff. So her her favorite song is At Last. Well, Aretha Franklin redid At Last. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you didn't know, if you can find that version, right, right. and you weren't Christian, you will be after hearing that song, Man. okay? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah. then just recently, uh, um, you know, Beyonce did Coachella, and she did the redid Frankie Beverly Amaze before I let go. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. um, Tom Joyner is doing this retirement, that, that I, which I'm trying to go to in St. Louis. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. Um, but he said he pays homage to that because he said, don't get it twisted. It was my song first. And uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so right. the youngins think it's Beyonce. He's like, no, it's mine. It's yeah. Frankie. And he wrote it. He said he wrote it after a bad breakup or something. But um, anyway, yeah, that's that's funny that you said that. So Tom Jordan wrote that. <laughs> no, no, or no. Frankie Beverly. Frankie Beverly okay. wrote okay. "Before I Let You Go." Oh, yes. And so he's Love trying, Prince. and everybody went crazy when Beyonce, you know, just redid yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, but I have to pay homage to Frankie because oh, they were saying that Vivian Green redid his song. Frankie gets all the royalties. He yeah. gets all the money. Bottom line, you all the money. First of all, you got to get permission. Absolutely. That's where it starts. Yeah, yeah. Vivian Green. She said, "I just sang it. I didn't get any money." For I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. Now it may help her down the road, yeah. but you get no, you know, ain't no coming in. <laughs> <laughs> for sure but Beyonce did her thing and with the little oh dance God. challenge that oh went man. with it I mean yes. she just gives us iconic moments yes. yeah. and, and you know let me, say, really let, let me say this about the B let me say this about her and I've told people this I don't care what you think about her it's Beyonce and there's everybody yeah. else yeah. Here, here's the thing one of my favorite movies is Cadillac Records have either one of you seen that? I've never seen please, it. Please, I've please, seen please like today. snippets. I would give it. I would give you my DVD today to watch it, but somebody already has it. And if you don't give it back, keep it. I'll buy another one. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about that, though. She played Etta James in that movie. Oh, my God. Owned. Owned it. Actually had me in tears. Like, her voice is so piercing. Like, I couldn't believe... I think her people I mean, sleep on Beyonce's oh, they, 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 vocals. And a lot of people want to be sleep. See, she, she, she can do everything. See, she can do everything. I think a lot of people, what, what she's done, she she got on by being able to sing. Yeah. And she's like, I got to really know how to dance. And I can't just dance. I got to dance this the left. But I appreciate her even more after watching Homecoming. Have you guys seen I Homecoming? I still have it. I got it It's cued. on Netflix. Yep, I got it cued You have watch. got to watch that. i watch tonight. Because. <laughs> you're the third person told me that. Yeah. The only thing, <laughs> yeah. the only. Yeah. 
criticism, and this is not even a criticism, it's coming from somebody who wanted more. I wish they had shown us even more of the background of how she came up with it because it everything about it was brilliant. It was right. so well thought out, well laid out. Right. And it was just, yeah, so I think people sleep on her that she's even more than just a great vocalist and performer. And, and, and I want to say this too. Let's go back to Cadillac Records real quick. Please watch it. Let me, let, me, let me tell you something. Has one of my top three actors in it, okay? And one of the reasons why he's one of my favorites is because he's so under underrated, Mr. Jeffrey Wright. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is phenomenal. Absolutely. He, he owns plays, everything he, he does. He plays Muddy Waters. I, he helped me understand who that man was. Mm -hmm. The whole Southern accent. You got to watch it. Please. Please, by all means. Cedric the Entertainer kills it. Oh, wow. And he's not... He's not funny in that movie. He's very serious. Very, very serious. I love to see comedic actors and actresses do their range. do serious things and show their range. their range. Their range. And you know, the other thing is kind of like paralleling, paralleling this with the, with the actual movie. Like, I wonder how many actors and actresses out there turn down roles like when they see us. I don't yeah. want to be a part of that format for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know if I could handle it or maybe it's not good for my career. I I'd love to know that. Yeah, because it was really interesting how many unknown actors yeah. that she used. And yeah. I think Ava even said that that was intentional, mm -hmm. that she Un that she picked yeah. unknowns intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. And they just she just did a phenomenal job. Yeah, they they, they should, especially they Jaleel, um, that yeah. guy, yeah. he yeah. who played Corey, he was yeah. just the, the amazing. Whole, the whole last, you know, the whole fourth episode was dedicated to Corey Wise. Yes. And he acted his say. face off that, in that. that. I mean, I was taken in by that. And I, like you said, I had to like that whole dial it scene. back. But I mean, he embodied Corey now, Wise. Now the thing, the thing that I question, and, and I have no problem with how they did that. First of all, that was a twist to me. They just came like, did you see this? Yeah. And why did they dedicate that whole thing to him? I, I, I mean, not. That that's I a think bad because thing. I think because of all of them, he went through the most. I think he suffered the most tragedy um, in Boy, prison. Incredible. Actor. So yeah, I think incredible yeah, he actor. went through the most, and I think what made it even more tragic was because he wasn't even there. He wasn't is, even in the correct. park that night. He was there to support a friend. And yes. I think that added to the fact that, oh, my God, this makes what happened to him even worse. And, and, he was not a, supposed to be there. Yes, that is correct. And in a split second, his life changed forever. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm talking about. The scene where hit the, the, the cop comes to get the friend, and he's about to walk away and said, you want to come now? He's like, and, and see, that was what, 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 what you saw happen there. I, I, I used to be that age. It's it's a yeah, I'm a man. It's a man thing. It's I ain't scared, terrified. And yeah, plus he was still there. looking out for his homie. Yes, exactly. If he had not gone, yep. what would his life be like today? Yeah, and then when they showed him and he was in the cell and he was thinking about that girl he was with that night. Yes. Had he stayed with her, you know, and how his life would have been exactly. different. Exactly. And that's how life is in general. Yeah. Our whole seconds. life is made of choices. Yes. The choices that we make. Um, let's touch on this uh, real quick before we end out here, because actually in the beginning when it was announced that this, this film project was gonna take place, there was actually some backlash against the project and against Ava with some people of color, actually that felt like you're gonna exploit this, 
we don't need to keep seeing black people in these tragic circumstances. And there's even a new term now that people are using called tragedy porn, where some people actually you know, have wow. this thing where they get off and get into yeah, seeing yeah. people in horrific circumstances. And they're that. like, you're just creating tragedy porn and you're exploiting. And just like a lot of black people are sick and tired of seeing us as slaves, I, for I example. I agree. And, 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 the thing and people that, looked at yes. this in the same way, that we're sick and tired of seeing us in jail and blah, blah, blah. And so what do you think about the tragedy porn backlash? Well, here's the thing. When, when you said that, and, and this movie is much, it, it's, 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 it's a true story just like um, uh, when they see us. Who remembers, Ro who remembers Rosewood? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. The only fictional character in that was being Rames. Every everybody else, everything else was true. They they just kind of wrote him in. But the thing of it is, I remember I've seen that movie one time. That's it for me. Mm -hmm. Now I felt like I needed to sit down and take that in, but at the same time, that that same um, question or statement was in my mind. This really happened. See, I'm the same. Rosewood. Florida. I'm the same way with um, Mississippi Burning. I cannot watch uh -uh. that stuff. I, that came out time. when I was in college, and time. I was drugged to see it. They're like, you have to see it. You got to see this. Yeah, <laughs> and I've never watched it again, but I, I'm totally with you on that because, and again, this happened. This is what people went through, and it's just, for me, it just hurts my spirit too much to see those people have dogs sicked on them in water and all that, yeah. and I, and um I, I have been to um, Birmingham, I've been to Kelly uh, Ingram Park, and how they have um, immortalized yeah. that. Yeah. And it, it's you just- You went to Selma. Oh, I went right. to Selma too. Right. I was in Selma, right. I did all that in 2015. Right. And it, it's just, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't bring that to my spirit. You know, I, I, think, I, think, I think also, and, and I, I, I think about this uh, probably more than I should, but I, it's like, I wonder what non-black people think about how we celebrate and how we walk and talk as it relates to movies like this. Are they yeah. saying, okay, so what, you want a cookie? Or are they saying, hey, you should you should be um, watching that or you should make sure you go to the, uh, see the movie when it first comes out so it affects the box office? Or, or what are they thinking? And, and I don't even know that I want to know the answer to that. Because it's going to vary based yes. on that person's perception of yes. race. Yes. And I mean, it makes me think of all the daily, and I think even the three of us have touched on this in an episode before, how we are bombarded and inundated, and inundated mm -hmm. daily with these images of police brutality yes. Yes. or the police getting called on black folks for just being right. black. And it weighs on your spirit. And that's one of the reasons why it made it hard for me to watch when they see us, because it's like this type of stuff is happening every day. We're being literally executed on the street with no uh, no justice afterwards. Nothing. We're being Nothing. killed by police and non-police and all of these horrific things okay yeah, that yeah. are happening. And I'm glad you mentioned that trans character in the film, because there is a serial killer running around. That's correct killing trans women that is correct and i think he may have been captured that's if they got the right they person the right guy. you yeah, know yeah. that's he, a, he may have 
a twin. You know that's, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a big <laughs> M, and and it's probably a copycat because yeah, yeah. I think he was in Dallas and it was in the Texas area. But this is happening to trans women all across the country, which is an injustice that we have to say is just absolutely horrible. And I mean, and that's and that's why whatever you whatever a person thinks of someone being a trans, it is a culture, and you have to you have to you have to talk about it. You yeah. have to talk about it. It's everywhere. Yeah, and like I've said, regardless as to what you think of that person's life or you think it, it's a choice or wherever you land spiritually, and this is another thing I have said on here, mm -hmm. just treat all people with decency and respect. That's, that's how you get through Who life. they sleep with or what life choices they make is none of your, none business, of your business, but they are human beings. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and if you call yourself a true Christian, just about yes, because I said Jesus had everybody at the table, the yeah. Jews, the Gentiles, yeah. the Samoans, the yeah. Samarians, yeah. everybody. So if you're touting that, then you need to walk the walk and talk the talk and, and love everybody, whether they're right. dirty, stinky, whatever that's going on, you know. But we get a lot of people who are fake Christians and, you know, whenever it's convenient, yeah. then they want to yeah. say that. But I was yeah. like, if you're not practicing the true meaning of what love is, then have a seat, have stadium with seats. Yeah, and, and I'll say occur. this, I'll say this real quickly because I don't want to get off the topic, but mm -hmm. when you're talking about the fake and phony Christians, and I think about the big abortion debate that's going on mm -hmm. now, yes. and, and yes. to me, you know, I call myself pro-life, but I think that needs to be redefined to what my definition is. That's and when I say I'm pro-life, Mm -hmm. I'm from in utero to the grave. Right. You cannot claim to be pro-life and care about abortion, but then you don't want to fund services and programs that are needed right. for these children that come into the world that may have problems and need extra help and, and, and education, so forth and so on. You want to stick them in prison and everything else, right. but you're pro-life. And here's another news flash. Honey, you're not pro-life if you're racist. That is correct. Those two things go against uh, each other. Oil and water. Yes. Oil and water. And, and here's the other thing. You cannot, you know, you're, you care about abortion, but when you hear of a person, no matter what color they are, being executed wrongfully by the police, and that doesn't move you at all, Thank you, you are not pro-life. And you're not a Christian. That is correct. You're, you're selective, selective, but you're not pro-life. You're selective. selective outrage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up our discussion of when they see us, talk about what that title means to you. Because I think for me, the title was, was perfect for this project right, right. because it spoke of how people see mm -hmm. us as people of color yes. and how uh, in the film uh, people of color were so dehumanized and how even though those were young boys, Yes when you're black you're always looked at as older than your actual yes. age and if you're if women you're, and boys and girls that's correct i remember when i was working with uh, a certain lady uh in my previous career and her son who's a fine young man he's actually uh has a great uh photography business going on now he's maybe 28 or something like that but anyway i remember her talking to me she raised him by herself and his father was was killed in a motorcycle accident when he was like nine months old. So he really not never, you know, he, he never got to really know his dad. That said, he was at Central. He was going to uh, Peoria High, and he was about 14, but he was about 6'2 and big. 
And she said, this is when this really came to me. I mean, you, you, I'm a little guy. So she said, Mike, you, you just won't believe how I get calls and the things he comes home. You know, come, when he comes home, he'll tell me about experiences he had, how teachers, you know, kind of like, like they act like they're afraid around him and stuff like that. He's a naturally big boy. That's a good thing. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me say this. It was okay for black men to be big when we was picking cotton, okay? Mm -hmm. So you could, you could pick more cotton and we could sell you and get more money off of you. But now slavery over, no, you too big. And that's why I have a problem with a certain actor. I don't know if I want to say his name or not, but you might be able to figure it out. Just absolutely cooning in everything he does. He's a big guy. I saw him in person when I went to Las Vegas last August. Saw him in person. He was at the Anita, Anita Baker concert. I'm sitting here. He's about right over in the corner. I was like, oh, my man. Took a picture of him. This dude is 6'2 and ripped. Ripped. He hosts, uh, I want to say, America's Got Talent. You know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. How am I doing so far? I ain't say his name. How am I doing so far? I got you. So, so here, here's what I want to say. I saw him in person. Stallion. Looks like, I mean, ripped. He, he was fully suited. And when you can see muscles come through a shirt and a tie, you, he's ripped. Mm -hmm. Why are you constantly buck dancing? Why do you have to come out and yeah. everything you do, you have to do that. Yeah. And, and he made a comment. He was, in, he was on one of the shows, uh, predominantly white uh, hosts. And... He made this comment and it just, I just, it just, I just shook my head. He said, "So a certain person had asked me to be a part of his show, and I accepted. And then it came out that he had inappropriately, you know, touched a lady. And I said, well, hey, am I going to be a part of this show?' I immediately called him up and I said, "Hey, I can't be a part of your show. And this is where he messed up. This is really where he messed up. He said, because look, I, I, I have to be, I have to ride with the women." You have to ride with the women. How about riding? Okay, so basically what you're saying is he's guilty. You've already judged him. Mm -hmm. And it ain't got nothing to do with you riding with the women. It has everything to do with you getting your next coon roll. Yeah. I and digress. I feel that may have what is what happened with um, Steve Harvey. They took I know, everything I mean, away from him. Yes. I don't know what he said. He wasn't cooning her. Oh, oh, they, girl, they stripped they, him. Stripped him. He he's lost his talk no, show. No shows. No shows. I'm wondering if they're going to take him mess, off of Family that Feud. Me up. Yeah, they took him off of everything. And that seemed like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> it yeah, did, it did. I'm going to tell you, this is yeah. what I think. This is okay. what I think. He wasn't cool. And see, when you, this is what yeah. I tell you. When, when, when you buff dancing, you can't mm, stop. Mm -mm. I'm tired. Now. Mm -mm. Keep no, going. No. Well, I heard that he had possibly angered some powers that be because yeah. he had gotten to the point some where suits. he was trying to take control mm -hmm. of Imagine his that. show. He wanted to move it from Chicago. He wanted to move to L.A. and things like that. So they felt like he was getting too big for his britches, so they had to take him down a notch. Yeah, yeah they replaced yeah. him with Kelly Clarkson. Yes, they sure did. <laughs> what does, what, what? I don't know what I they mean, think is going is, on that there. That is not only a demotion, that's a kick. I'll that's say. That's a kick. I'll but yeah, say. They, when I saw that, I thought, yeah. I was like, this can't be. Yeah, yeah. he's been stripped. Oh, stripped. And that's the thing when you, Steve Harvey was, uh, talking to Monique. Yeah, she called him out. Did you see that? But let me. Yeah. See, he said, "Now this is where he messed up. Mm -hmm. We black out here. What does that mean, Steve? 
And, and I have to give kudos to Monique because she has stuck to her guns. Yeah. They tried yeah. to blackball her. Oh, they did. And she's like, I, you know, she said, I'm one of the queens of comedy. I yeah. know I can fill theaters. You, you know yeah, what I'm saying? So she, and she, she's like, you, she got to have integrity. And she called him uh, that he didn't have integrity. He didn't. When he said, well, you got, when you get to a certain, uh, uh, segment, then you have to act a certain way. And she said, no, no. integrity is integrity uh, 24-7. Yeah. So she yeah. said, if you feel... And, and and to me, I have a problem with the Me Too people as well. Having lived through some of what yeah. they're talking yeah. about, when somebody was disrespecting me, I went to the powers of be. Like that one kid said, it's above me now. Yeah. So I went above them yeah. and got it taken care of. And you check people right then and there. Yeah. So for the people yeah. to say, oh, well, he did so-and-so 10 years ago, what... Okay, well, why didn't you say something then? You know, no, so I, I, even correct. as a female, I have a problem. If if it's not today, and you didn't take care of it 15 years ago, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry for you. And another person that comes to mind, you don't hear this name very much anymore, is Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Let me let me say this, and I remember when his show his show's been off the air for a long, long time. Long time. Yes, sir. When it went off the air, I read somewhere and heard through an interview somebody I can't remember. They said the reason why his show was his show was number one. The reason why his show was canceled is because he made some he ticked off and what they said some Jews who actually built Hollywood. Well, that's because he had uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan on, okay. that, 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 and that okay. was and you know everyone says that you yeah. know he's anti-Semitic they, that for years. and this yeah. and that, yeah. and so that's it. You take away this man's show just because Shut you have one guest on that you do not agree Shut with. Down. Shut him down. That is absolutely insane. Shut censorship him down. Himself. And see the thing. Yeah, is, censorship. And, and, and that is why it is. Let me let me even say this. When I was in high school, I'm sure it was the same way with you ladies. You had to take and pass American government. Else yes. You, or else you're not graduating. <laughs> yeah, How about? Let me just say this. You know, I'm cool with numbers. I don't have nothing against numbers. But let me say this. I've yet to use algebra. Okay? So how about... It's, it's, right, right, right. Algebra is a cuss word. So what I'm saying is, if they, if they could... How about if they didn't make me take algebra and put in there something like how to, how to own your own business? That's what's going to benefit me. And, it's, and, and you're hearing more talk about it now. Not everybody's going to college. Yeah, I went to college. I got my bachelor's degree, but to be honest with you, I've used about a quarter of it. Most of what I do is um, an autodidactic, self-taught life experience, mm -hmm. a school of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that, that that's what I'm saying. Um, it, it you need to start. We we need that is why it's imperative that black people own. You need to own. And and before we started the show, I was telling you about the young man that I'm getting ready to do some business with. He was just he met with he. He doesn't even have, he's still operating out of his, out of his home. And he was kind of, I said, nothing to be ashamed of, man. Hey, meet me at McDonald's. We met at McDonald's, yep. sealed the deal. I had some water, he had some coffee, and he had his three-year-old with him. And I said, it's okay, man, let her just, she can play around. He was just kind of like, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I am not a big business, but I am, it is, it is, it is imperative. I have to give back now. You don't start giving back when you get to what you think is the point. No, you start yeah. now. It's about building partnerships right and building relationships, relationships, and that is so important. Alliances. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we you have to plug your business. Yes. You are the creator and 
the uh, brand ambassador to Indigenous Protocol. That's correct. That is correct. Which is an awesome urban lifestyle brand. And I'm excited every time I see that you're branching out (laughs) and your product line is expanding. and It's exciting. I'm very excited about that. And and thanks for the plug. I just wanted to say, since we last talked, I've released coffee mugs, uh, drawstring, backpacks, and pillows. And I just shipped six backpacks to Arizona last week, two weeks ago. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's, it's stuff, it, it's, that's the lifestyle part. You know, it's not just clothes, but I want you to, I, the, the coffee cups have been selling like crazy. I had a lady actually take a picture of her, you know, drinking out of my cup. I'm like, yeah, you know, so I really appreciate that. So I want to be a part of your everyday life, a yeah. household name. Yeah. yeah. That's what brings in the lifestyle because it's your whole lifestyle. You can have it and experience it at home and take it to go. Well, thank you for joining us once again, Michael Hurt, yes. and also my ever faithful co-host, yes, Karen yes, Wilson. Yes. Thank you for ha- yes, yes, thank yes. you for having me. It's always a joy to be on here. Right, same here. The same show here. wouldn't be the same without Man. you guys. I thank Man. you for your time and everything else. So to all the listeners as well, Thank you for listening to the show. Part of wellness is also being aware of issues and dealing with them in a healthy way. If you have not seen When They See Us, please do, because it really is a cautionary tale based on reality, something that actually happened. And I believe that everyone should see it, including young people. Also, as we have mentioned, be sure and watch 13th. Practice self-care, though, when you watch. If it gets to be too much, take a break. I had to take a break in between uh, watching When They See Us. I watched uh, the first two uh, episodes (laughs) back-to-back, and then I had to stop, and I had to put a day or two in between. And then the last one, four, I had to watch that in two days. I was like, this is too much. I can't do that. So take a break. And if you watch it with a young person, be sure and have some dialogue after. Because I think, unfortunately, we're right back, I feel like, in the civil rights movement where we had to tell young people, young people had to be told how to to act and behave. And it's so sad and disheartening that we're having to have those same kind of conversations. But I think young people need to know what their rights are. Should they be stopped by the police or or something like that happen, please let them know what their rights are and let them know what to do because Mm -hmm. this type of stuff and and this bullying and and things like this with the police is still happening today. So be sure and do that. And for everyone, thank you so much again for listening. And we would like you to join this conversation. Please give us a comment on our Facebook page or at the website, gethappywithjay.com. We would love to know what you thought of the limited series. So until next time, everyone, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish. It's self-care. (laughs) Bye-bye.